0: How about it, y'all? You got the Lake Seminole Ramblets podcast. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. Thanks for listening. In today's episode, we will be discussing the current fishing report with former Redman pro angler and guide Randy Weaver, advise you on how to keep your boat as fuel efficient as possible during these crazy fuel times. Go over to Ryan Higgins and we'll ramble about the tournament report and we'll discuss what to expect for the Seminole summer pattern. Remember, this will be your last chance to listen for the secret word that you need to enter the Lake Seminole Outdoors $25 gift card giveaway. So grab you a coffee or Coca-Cola Classic or water, whatever you drink, sit back and enjoy the show. Water conditions: Flint River has its normal slight stain, eighty four eighty six. Spring Creek: there is a slight stain in some areas; otherwise, it's clear, eighty five eighty seven. Fish Pond Drain: clear, eighty five eighty seven. Chattahoochee River: stained, eighty four eighty six. Water levels continue to yo-yo as rainwater flows in downriver from the rest of the state. Peak high was 77. The low was 76.2. Water level at publication was 76.5. Does everybody, um, does everyone know what BOAT stands for? B-O-A-T. That's bust out another thousand. Now, we usually joke around about this uh, when referring to repairs. It's literally a hole in the water that you throw money into. Uh, we shouldn't be using it to talk about putting fuel in it. Uh, it's no mystery that this seemingly never-ending rise in fuel prices has really put a dent in our wallets uh, with fuel topping five dollars a gallon in most places and we're just talking about 87 octane we're not talking about non-ethanol fuel which could be 50 to 75 cents higher than 87 octane it's becoming a lot harder and harder to fill up our boats and not go completely bankrupt and see we're freshwater guys i'm not even talking about saltwater guys I, uh, I know if we have any saltwater guys listening, they're going to say, y'all ain't got nothing compared to what we have to fill up for. Trust me, we feel y'all's pain. We, we, we're glad we're not y'all. Uh, but coming up with topics for today's show, this one seemed like a no-brainer to me. And I feel comfortable talking with y'all about fuel and engines, as I'm formerly an automotive master technician for a domestic automotive manufacturer, as well as attending a technical college for automotive technology. So yeah, it's not boating, uh, but the concepts and the technology are the same. So first thing, let's look at a fuel tank. This is the stored energy reserve for the entire machine. Uh, There's a limited, varying amount of energy that you can get from this tank. Uh, The variation depends on how much demand the user and the machine puts on it, environmental conditions, um, and the fuel level inside of the tank so talking about the fuel tank and the fuel level it's best practice to keep your tank as full as as possible as full as you can keep that thing at all times Uh, yeah it affects your speed yeah it affects your plane off time you know i totally get it but just hear me out a second gasoline evaporates and it will evaporate pretty quickly especially in a hot environment Uh, if you want to see for yourself go get one of these new lawnmower portable gas cans you know the one that's sealed that everybody hates. Uh, make sure it has some gas in it. Put it outside in the sun. You'll come back and you'll see that it it has expanded and it looks like it may blow up. Oh, uh, that expansion is because of expanded vapor. Uh, that gasoline was in there. It was evaporating. There was nowhere for that vapor to go, and it builds up pressure. Uh, that expanded vapor is completely useless to us. Now we're talking about a boat scenario. In a car, it's a little different. They have a system where they can burn that vapor. But uh, in a boat, vapor is useless. So that used to be liquid gasoline that we could burn. Now it's vapor. So if you keep your tank below full, you allow that empty space in the tank to become occupied with fuel vapors. So keeping the tank full prevents vaporization. Uh, We've all used portable gas tanks. Um, Does anybody remember when they weren't a huge pain? Uh, They used to have a little vent and you could just pour and didn't have to hold the mechanism and get gas all over yourself and cuss and all that stuff, just try to use a gas can. The reason that is, is in 2012, the EPA brought some new regulations that went into effect and that restricted the release of gasoline vapors into the atmosphere. Uh, Fuel tanks, boats, power sports, basically anything that could vent fuel to the atmosphere got this restriction. Um, So chances are, if you have a 2015 or newer boat your fuel system is pressurized and um, will not vent fuel vapors uh, like the old boats did. So you can look at like a 80s, 90s Ranger and see on the side of the boat where there's a, a literally a vent right next to the fuel cap. So along with these vapor restrictions came new fuel line restrictions. Uh, new marine fuel line must be US Coast Guard type A115. So that specific fuel line is designed to limit the amount of permeation over time through the rubber. Uh, of course, it's not something we could ever see, it's just microscopic and all this stuff they have to do tests and all that with. Um, along with this design comes uh, the ability to handle ethanol blends up to 85%. That's um, E15, so it'd be 15% um, ethanol. Excuse me if my math's wrong, it's just, it's E15. Um, it's a common tale. We've all probably heard it uh, with the older boaters always run non-ethanol fuel And while it is a very wise warning, it's also outdated at this point uh, All the older boats manufactured before the ethanol blended fuels were around um, It wasn't normal Manufacturing pra- practice to worry about ethanol. So in the 80s 90s, you know, even early 2000s It wasn't common practice to have ethanol in the fuel So all of these rubber line manufacturers, fuel line manufacturers, O-ring manufacturers, gasket companies, all these, they didn't have to worry about having alcohol in their fuel. Well, now that we've transitioned to having at least 10% ethanol, majority of the fuel that's out there, they have reformulated all of these gaskets, O-rings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to be able to handle that. Uh, These modern lines, they can handle E15, uh, but you should never run E15 in your boat, E10 and under. Uh, you should be all right with. Again, check your manufacturer's warranty. Uh, If you're still under warranty, make sure you follow what they say. But when you get out of warranty, you should be all right. It should negate the need for spending 50 to 75 cents more a gallon on ethanol-free fuel. Because remember, to be classified ethanol-free, it has to contain less than 10% ethanol. So true ethanol-free fuel is really, really hard to find. Uh, I've personally been running 87-octane regular pump gas over 400 hours on my current engine and I've had zero problems, uh, knock on wood there, Uh, but just as long as you're not running an E15 or running um, regular pump gas in an older boat and the problem is the fuel lines collapsed and it shot pieces of rubber through and clogged carburetors and all, but uh, majority of us are running four strokes now, um, fuel injected, even if it's a two stroke, it's majority of them fuel injected, so you should be okay. Another way to ease your wallet pain is maximizing the distance that that tank of fuel will provide you. So warning, we're going to get a little nerdy here, a lot. but obviously the higher your engine RPM is, the more fuel it's going to need. You know, I don't have to tell you that. Uh, but I want to talk a little more technical about it. Um, I have a formula here that will estimate your fuel consumption and you, all you technical nerds will love this here. Uh, But this uses three factors so we're going to use specific fuel consumption and what that is is the measurement of how efficient your motor is, how efficient it is at taking chemical uh, energy and converting it to mechanical energy. And in this case that is .50 pounds per horsepower and then we're going to take the fuel specific weight and that's just a fancy name for how much a gallon of gas weighs which is 6.1 pounds and we're gonna um, use these two and we're gonna multiply them by the horsepower and we're gonna get gallons per hour. So the the way that the formula works is you take your specific fuel consumption, 0.50, you multiply that by your horsepower of your engine, let's say in this case 250 horsepower, that gives you a specific fuel consumption of 125. Then you simply divide that by how much a gallon of gasoline weighs, 6.1, and that will give you your gallons per hour, which is 20.5. That's gallons per hour at maximum RPM. I think we're saying 6100 at this point. That is a ton of fuel. All right, now that we know what the gallons per hour is, let's find out what our nautical miles per gallon will be because that's what I wanna know. I can't do anything with gallons per hour. Um, So you take the speed in knots and you divide it by the gallons per hour at that speed and you get your nautical miles per gallon. So at 75 miles an hour equals 65 knots. So 65 knots divided by 20.5 gallons per hour, that gives you 3.17 miles per gallon. And that's kind of eye opening right there. So everybody that loves to blast around 75 miles an hour, you're getting about three miles to the gallon. It could be, could be worse. It could be around one and a half, Uh, There's varying charts, but just a real-world scenario. Let's say that this formula is correct 3.1 So if we actually reduce our load To 4,500 rpm, let's say approximately 50 miles an hour for this scenario You will see a drop to around 10 gallons an hour So if you plug this into the formula you go 50 miles an hour, which is 43 knots You divide that by 10 gallons an hour you get 4.3 nautical miles per gallon. So basically you gain an extra mile and a quarter by reducing your engine speed. This does come at a time cost, of course, as it will take you longer to get to your destination, but your motor will be more efficient and that will be easier on your wallet. You will find better numbers for your specific boat and motor online, but this just kind of gives you a rough estimate of what to expect in the real world. Um, Getting on plane, uh, talking about this just real quick, that consumes a lot. Of fuel, Um, So keep that in mind when you're moving all over the place. You are better off just getting on plane as quickly as possible, trimming that motor down, just get up on pad, full throttle it, and then start easing back. Um, Because if your boat drops off plane or anything like that goes on, you have to sit down and get out of somebody's way, la la la. The amount of horsepower and fuel required to get it back on plane increases dramatically. So just always keep that in mind. Get it on plane and stay on plane as best as you can. Efficiency is the name of the game, so how efficient can you make your engine make use of that tank of fuel? Uh, There are tons of little things that can affect the overall efficiency of your vessel. Um, Weight, drag, trim position, plane time, all of these things can drastically increase or decrease your range and efficiency. A big thing to me is pay attention to your trim. Make sure it is set correctly for the conditions uh, and your vessel, and you don't have too much of your hull in the water. You will be surprised how much more fuel your engine will try to use to push more of your hull through the water than is necessary. Are you not fishing a tournament this week? Then take your extra tournament gear out. Reducing the boat weight even by 50 pounds takes a big load off the engine. Also, plan your fishing ahead of time. Uh, Launching at ramps close to those spots can really help you out because remember your truck is way more fuel-efficient than your boat is Your truck don't get three miles to the gallon your boat does Um, So also something you don't think about when it rains if that makes that boat really heavy So if you have a cover put it on there all that extra water in the carpet and the hole it can stay in there for days and if you've got a bunch of foam in the hole, that can actually hold water for a long time. Sometimes it never drains out. And that can weigh up to an extra person in the boat. Uh, so make sure you try to cover your boat when at all possible. All these little things right here can add up to a huge heap of savings when it comes to your fuel. So hopefully we can make it through this gas crisis uh, without hitting $10 a gallon for fuel, cause that would be catastrophic. Um, but until we make it out of here, just try these tips. Hopefully it will help you maximize your time on the water with one tank of fuel. Some of them seem kind of elementary, but some of them you might've been surprised at. All right. And, uh, now let's get Randy Weaver on and see what he saw this week and talk about fishing. How about it, Randy? What's up, dog? I'm just sitting here talking fishing. What's been going on? Um... I lost probably two big fish because these hooks that we're getting are just so terrible. I can't keep a point on them. And, uh, yep. But I'm seeing, man, everywhere I go that's got some decent grass, shad. Uh-huh. it's just shad city. I mean, my whole grass full of it. And there's, there's needle fish anywhere as long as my arm to as long as my pinky. And they just everywhere.
1: I went and uh, when I fished the other day, uh, I found some new hydrilla growing. It's real bright green. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fish were, well, they weren't in it, but they were on the edge of it. And and I mean, they bit. I, I got something else puzzling me, though, that I can't figure out. I'm going in and on some of the ends right now, close to deep water. There's some big speckled perch sitting around. And I'll take a jig and throw it and speckled perch will get it and I'll hit him and every time I bring one up to the boat there's a bass nudging him around hmm. I'm talking about four and a half to six pound fish they're just knocking him with their nose and stuff they're not really grabbing him but they're um they're bopping on him huh. I pulled on a grass point the other day and I was surprised there was three different good fish that had their nose right on that speckled perch all the way to the boat.
0: You know, I had to follow my spook like that to the boat. I'm talking about nose right up under it the whole way back, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they won't eat it.
1: That's weird. So I don't know. He knows there's something wrong with the speckled perch because he's hooked. But at the same time, he's not he's not grabbing him or anything, so hmm. he might get a fluke.
0: Yeah, something that's just hanging there in front of him.
1: Yeah, something that falls down in there and acts crazy for a minute and then just starts settling back. I caught some on that new hydro on top water.
0: Yeah, I got three bites in the South Creek on a spook.
1: But those fish were really glued to that grass. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were liking it, boy. I think it's the same school of fish I came across about three days before. And they'd moved about, I'm going to say 150 yards because I went in there where they were at. I stopped short of where they were at and I fished and nothing happened. I went right in where they were at, and I got one bite. It was about a 13-inch fish, and I thought, these fish ain't here. So I looped around the backside of it and went across the ditch, and when I come up on the other side, I started fishing. I caught one, and then I caught another one that was a good distance from him, and I thought, something still ain't right, and I pulled in a little bit shallower, and I hit that new grass. And when I hit that new grass, that's where they were at. Hmm. Because the boat sat in one place, I caught six oh, wow. real quick. So there's a lot of fish there.
0: That was on the flint, I assume. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's what I'm seeing messing around those speckled perch when I catch them. Yeah. But I believe a Cinco or a... Fluke or something, I think I can catch him. I mean, you won't catch three of them where the three are at because mm-hmm. they're not that dumb. Right. But you could catch one off of each place. That's mm-hmm. uh, probably, well, he'd average from four to six pounds each one of them when you. And I know two or three places that they were sitting like that last year. And I haven't went back and checked them, but I guarantee you they're sitting there again. What are the specks
0: doing?
1: You caught oh, any? They've been biting. They, yeah, they're biting pretty good. Eh? They're sitting on the grass still. Yeah. I mean, not all of them. I see a lot of them in deep water too when I'm moving around. I'm seeing some in, back in the river channel even running around.
0: Yeah, I saw some in the hooch on the river channel, about 22 foot.
1: So they're in both places. Yeah. There was... but, when them, but when you see a willow fly hatch, you, you can head for the grass and catch all of them you want to. Yeah. You can take a a brown um, take you a brown curly tail jig and put a spot of chartreuse on his tail and then willow flies on there and they'll bite it twice fast. They so will one that's a shad pattern. I guess that brown he thinks it's a swimming willow fly or something. I don't know. Hmm. And to me, the closer it is to the color of the water, the better it bites it. Where it almost blends into where you can't even see it. Right. He'll short bop that thing. Hmm. I like it to either be brown with chartreuse on it, or the main thing, the what I like better is a brown with an orange. I'll reach it with an orange marker and mark the very tip of his tail, bright orange. Yeah, and um, it kind of turns into a brown down in the water too when you look at it. Ah, okay. But he sure likes it. Mm. You'd be surprised how many bass this time of year. If you take a um, green pumpkin, take you a green pumpkin, green swimming worm mm-hmm. and put some orange on his tail and swim that thing, you'd be surprised how many fish will hit it, but he'll flat hit it. If we just throw around hard spots more in shallow water this time of year, we'd be surprised how many bass we'd catch because of the brim up in there.
0: Yeah, There's a bunch of shiners hanging around the sand too. I mean seen a, you've been seeing that too or no
1: yeah i've seen a lot of wild shiners and that tells me there's some fish bedding of some kind up in the i've been seeing a lot of uh, white looking fish i don't know if they're carp or what they are
0: mm, tilapia maybe
1: that might be yeah. i don't know what they are
0: yeah they're hanging out on the ends of the grass yeah yeah i've been seeing them too i think it's tilapia
1: Boy, well, down there around Stinking Island, there's a bunch of them. I was down there at um, Stinking Island and caught two big tilapia on spinnerbait. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And I had two more hit it. I know that's what it was because something hit a spinnerbait like that, and you don't stick it. Man, I mean, he jolted that thing. <laughs> and uh, but I caught two, and... One of them about two foot off the end of my rod, and I'm I'm going to say they were around five, five and a quarter pounds. Carried two people yesterday,
0: and I said, now be ready. We're going to catch like a three-pounder. He's going to find like a six. The guy was like, really? I said, oh, yeah. And first fish he hooked, he was like, man, you wasn't lying. That thing is mean.
1: Yeah, You know, they they looking pretty good to me, the ones I caught the other day. Yeah. Uh, I only caught one. I was catching a bunch of two probably two and a quarter to two and a half pound fish when I was catching those. And then I caught one about five and a half. And, uh, he's right in that grass with them, mm-hmm. but that fish was in excellent shape. Eyes were clear. Fish looked good.
0: Yeah. Good.
1: Caught- I'm wondering if there, I'm wondering if there ain't shrimp in that new grass, the way they was acting.
0: I definitely seen a bunch down, uh, South end of the Creek there has been a bunch of shrimp down there.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm still catching catfish by the bunches. Mm. <laughs> they're hitting the spinner bait. They're hitting the jig. They're. But I haven't been throwing a spinner bait. I guess I need to bust it back out. Yeah, I threw it. What I've been doing is throwing it early, right at the break of daylight. Mm-hmm. And I'll usually get one big fish on it. Mm. I say big. She'll be bigger than four and a half pounds. Yeah. But they don't last long. I mean, you know, we're under bright skies and
0: right, yeah. So the they,
1: winds, the winds, very little.
0: So they eating that instead of eating their top water.
1: I don't know. I oh. don't understand saltwater bite this year. It's kind of thrown me off.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 everybody that I've talked. I mean, you you'll talk to somebody that's caught one here caught one there but it's i mean like i told my people yesterday it should be 15 fish on a plug this time of year not one right. or zero
1: right that's what i'm saying like me i was i stood there in the boat and i was standing there looking across there where that new grass was at and i thought wow i busted them on top water and i thought no nah, i didn't catch but four that ain't near about 15 or 16 of them right But when you ain't been catching them, you're like glad them solid guns eat top water just a little bit.
0: I'm hoping it'll change but I'm not getting my hopes up.
1: Nah, top water won't do too sporty. Right at daylight, right at dark. You can get a bite if you just stay on it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. But I have quite a few of them look at it. You know, he'll come up and I can see where he's made a boil under the water. Mm. Not a big boil or anything but where he's Cause if you can get them where they'll do a big boil, you know how long to wait before you move that thing again. You can catch that fish.
0: That's right. Yeah. see my fish that are following it—they're not even boiling on it; they just right. getting right up on it. And you see them—you know the creek's clear. You can watch them pretty much halfway, and they just stay right underneath the whole thing. But if you stop it, they leave. It's wild. Right. I mean, usually you can stop it and, you know, work it a little bit and get him to, nope, if you stop that thing, he just, he turns and just like a submarine goes straight down as fast as he can go.
1: Uh, and I've never seen a rhyme, nor reason, but to me, when I see that, there's just a lot to eat. I mean, the fish are just, you know, only reason he's following arounds is because he's interested. Mm-hmm like the speckled perch, he's not grabbing a hold of speckled perch when I pull him off a point. He's just interested in what's wrong with you fool. That's all.
0: That's right.
1: Yep. But you take a speckled perch away well over a pound, and there's a good fish under him. You know, that's a good fish to follow him up there like that.
0: Yeah, there'll be some more of him there.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm seeing I'm seeing three or four separate fish on not much of a point. I mean, every point I get on, not much of a point. And I'll see them follow them up there. Right. That's the best way to not catch your bass. If you're getting ready for a tournament or something is to pull in and take a speckled perch jig and catch one off of there and see what the activity is. Because when you hook him, you'll find out what the activity is. If there's some good bass laying in there, they'll show themselves.
0: Oh, yeah. I never thought about that.
1: Yeah, it's better than throwing something in there to catch him. Yeah, just float up there real easy and put your glasses on and get where you can see good, and then just take and feel around there and get get that speckled perch hooked, and then just watch and see what happens. Hmm. You can feel him nudging that speckled perch even when he's under the water, but then whenever you get him up there halfway close, you'll see that fish up under him.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: A lot of times he'll push him up. You know what I mean? Like a speckled perch, our speckled perch here, they'll jump like a bass will. But he'll come up on top of the water, almost on his side. And if you watch when he pushes, when he comes up like that, you'll see that fish pushing up under him. Oh, wow. Even at a distance, if you keep your eyes on it. You know, really, you got to really notice what's going on. You can't just... Oh, yeah. and, And just... I don't know what would be the reason that you couldn't take a big top water plug and work it across there early in the morning and a big fish wouldn't get it. I don't understand that. Catch a speckled person, he starts pushing on him. You're like, wow, I can't believe it. he didn't get that plug laying out there.
0: Yeah, it's wild.
1: Because our water's clear.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That water
1: ain't dirty enough. He don't know where it's at. Mm. And usually in clear water, man, you can catch one quicker on top water than you can anything, but some years it don't work that do way. That's right.
0: You hadn't seen nothing over, what, five or six pounds?
1: I haven't seen one over, I think I got a six one. Yeah. She was either six one or 6'2". I caught her on spinnerbait right at daylight. Mm. I caught her over in front of Jack's again. There's some good fish laying over in there. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, what you got, 15 minutes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's all you got. I mean, you better pull where you know there's something sitting, put you a cast across there and be real careful with it, get her to hit it. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, I know there's several of them sitting there, but you, you haven't got that kind of, you know, probably most of those good fish that we're seeing doing what we're seeing, they're probably feeding at night. Right.
0: Yeah, I'd imagine so. Especially with the water temp like it is?
1: Yeah, their metabolism is, well, it's a little bit far forward now, but they should still be eating a little bit more regular to me. I mean, it's not like they're not eating because now when I pick one up out of the water, she's bellied out and all, she's in good shape. But I'm not seeing the seven and eights that I was worried about a couple months ago that didn't look right to me. I imagine those fish have passed on by now people be surprised how short a fish's life really is right you catch one in the five six pound range and she looks bad she's not going to be with you much longer
0: yeah i mean it is wild
1: out here i mean yeah yeah she's going down quick she like a deer he breaks his leg he's in trouble i'm gonna get off here and go in there and get me some drink yeah uh, i'm sitting out here on the porch
0: yeah i appreciate you uh giving me some info yeah man all right, let's go over to Ryan Higgins. Ryan, what's up, buddy?
2: Hey, man, how are you doing today, Chris?
0: Oh, I can't complain. Won't do no good anyway. Don't nobody want to listen.
2: Nope, won't do you no good if you did. That's right. All right, so it's a pretty slow week this week that I know of, and forgive me if I'm wrong. If there was an event that I missed, shoot it to me, and we'll absolutely get it in there. Um, the Tuesday nighter was on the bye week this week, so they didn't have the official trail. They did throw a, a Tuesday nighter, Um I'm – the local hammers, Clint and Bowen, won it again with a little over 14 pounds on three fish. Um, and then the Thursday nighter, Bo and Brian Parker won it with like 12-8 with three fish. Um, Stokes and Sam got second place with like 11-7. And um, Blake Daltry and his partner Nathan had 11-63 with a six pound big fish in there. So I mean, they're pretty decent weights for the first river tournament for the year. Um, and that's the Seminole sticks to fish out of Bamberger on Thursday. There was um, there was a trail over on Eufaula yesterday, um, the nighttime event over there. This isn't on Seminole, but it's kind of local news. Eufaula's um, been fishing a little slow this year. It finally showed back out this weekend and um, Took five fish that weighed twenty seven pounds to win the night event last night. Wow. And fifth, fifth place was still like uh, twenty two pounds. So that's the follow of old. It's it, it's been fishing pretty poor all year. Um, but that's that's more like what people expect for June on Lake Uphon and Lake Seminole kind of weights. So that was a pretty good show out. Fish must have been pretty good. You got the full moon coming up this week and
3: everything yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow
2: should start yeah yeah that's right everything should start bump along pretty good don't forget uh in two weeks now on uh, uh june 18th we got jason davis's memorial event out of the boat basin um hosted with the crpt it's their normal event as well but it is an open event anybody can fish it all money raised is going to benefit the family and uh, there will be great prizes given out like uh, we gave out a, a fishing trip um, a night at uh, the lake house and then um, I've got some gift cards from work here that I'm giving out $200 gift cards that can be used for gas groceries whatever you want there's okay. a bunch of stuff going to be given away on there um, on that event so that'll be a good one it's out of Bainbridge $60 I believe I saw they're going to have food don't quote me on that but I'm pretty sure that I saw it was mentioned that we will have food at weigh-in um, that's out of the Bainbridge boat basin the same day they're a little conflicting but talked to brad and you you just can't you can't move trails around there's so many going on this lake you can't really move dates around too much um the west side is going out of big gyms the same day june 18th uh that's the standard monthly west side um that one i'm gonna go ahead and put my money down and say <sighs> 18 pounds on three fish yeah Oh, yeah. 18 pounds on three fish. The way that lake's been fishing right now, they're going to be three days, four days after the full moon. You better bring a big boy pants. Yeah. It's going to take a sack. And I bet it'd be an eight pound big fish.
0: Yeah. The lake's been a big fish factory for the past, man, really since February. I mean, it's been crazy the amount of big fish. It's been
2: been a good year. Yeah. Yep. There was a slow week here and there. It's always going to happen. But as a whole, I mean, She's been showing up this year. She's doing good. Um, On another note, I did get confirmation. The drip system has gone into effect on Spring Creek. Actually, it's been a while now. Um, They ran it for about a week, and they cut it off, and they're supposed to monitor it for six months. So pay attention to the creek. We're super curious as far as what you see what you have noticed on the creek how the fishing has been The fishing's not good on the creek right now but we really want to keep up with this and see how it's going to go because this was a big deal back in the early 2000s when it happened the first time i've heard they're managing it a little different this time they ran a bigger drip they're not running it continuously we want to know what your experience is with this whenever you see it um No secondhand information. No, my Uncle Bob told me that Cousin Jeff saw it and there was dead fish by it. First-hand experience. We want to know so we can keep up with this. Good, bad, ugly, whatever it is. It may be the best thing that's ever happened to Seminole. I'm very, very nervous because I've seen what it did when I was young to the duck hunting and to the bass fishing there when we owned the Sporting Goods store. So, it is in effect. Let's keep our eye out now and see what goes on, good, bad, or indifferent with it.
0: I figured that it was going on. We uh we come over Spring Creek Bridge. Uh I guess what was the last time we talked about this, maybe a month ago, maybe two mm-hmm. weeks after we talked about it. Uh we drove over Spring Creek Bridge and I'd noticed all the uh you notice the sawgrass and the hyacinths and stuff all around uh mm-hmm. what was that Decatur Lake up there, it's all dying. Yep. So I figured yep. it was still going on. I mean, we just get so many conflicting you know, like Ryan said, secondhand, it's it's on, it's off, it's not there, Some it's there someone knocked it down it's not you know so yep sounds like it's on so we'll see what happens with that maybe i don't know maybe it is going to do do good i had another guy tell me that the core said it was um the hydrilla in this lake was herbicide resistant which you know who knows what that really means but the good news is if y'all let us know what you're seeing um we can report it to um miss amelia and um she actually is the biologist for The uh, area, the Albany area, she handles uh, Seminole, Tired Creek, Eufaula, a couple other places. But she reached out to us and just uh, gave me her contact info just in case we hear of anything or see anything that needs her attention. Um, And she is separate from the course She doesn't handle any of the grass spraying or any of that stuff that's going on. But she did tell me that they've been working pretty hard at Eufaula uh, to try to rebound the fishery. And based on your report here a few minutes ago, it sounds like it's finally starting to rebound a little bit but um i definitely was happy to hear from her that way we can relay what we're seeing about the drip if anything's going on with the fish um which brings me you know last what was it two episodes ago we were talking about the source Mm -hmm. and she said she's had a couple of people report it to her and um so they are actually looking into that they do think it's some kind of sickness um they just don't know what's causing it so if we see any more she requested for us to take a picture of it so they can kind of research it a little bit better so we appreciate her reaching out and uh anyway what about uh what about this summer pattern Ryan? um uh, yep, the lake it's, is uh it's a little different than it was last year we don't have as much grass we talked about that last week so you're having to Kind of do something a little bit different than your normal Seminole summer. So, uh, what's your strategy for this summer? What you've been hearing? Or talk to us about what you're going to do.
2: Well, it is officially summer now. The schools have started showing up offshore in full force. You got your brim bed wolf packs that are there. You still got some brim beds going on, especially on this full moon. That's another thing to look at. But one thing is the Seminole. Is a lot different this year on the amount of grass in the lake. Is there still a lot of grass in that lake compared to other places? Absolutely. But it is not at the normal full topped out mats of hydrilla. In fact, I have found very few, as of last week, very few topped out mats of true hydrilla. Lots of peppergrass around, a little bit of coontail mixed with some peppergrass and hydrilla. But those big cheese mats just aren't there yet.
0: Yeah, they're, um, they're few and far between. There's maybe maybe 10 that I know of I mean they're they're not everywhere
2: right instead of just the sealies being completely topped out like it should by now with that yellow film over the top of it where right. just punch, punching and flipping and that's still a thing you're still always going to be able to do that on this lake but the offshore bite is on full force right now it is a little different you're not necessarily fishing the straight up uh, outside grass like always there's still fish there to be caught for sure but there's a lot of these ledges offshore, anywhere from 8 foot down to 28 foot of water, 35 foot of water in very few places. Some over on the hooch hit that deep. But the ledges are going on. That means your big crankbaits, your hair jigs, um, for the guys to have the patience for it, the drop shots, the big standard jigs, half-ounce, three-quarter-ounce jigs drilled on the bottom, 10-inch worms, 12-inch worms, it's that time of year um, and with a lot of the places that I normally fish, they don't have the grass so far. And it's, it's taking a little bit of adjusting for me. I am supposed to, used to be in the grass bed being there when I pull up and it's not there or it's very small compared to what it is normally. So the shell bars, that's the next thing on my, my radar is I'll, I'll f- use my graphs. Um, I'm lucky enough to where I've got some side view. If you got some decent graphs, you can find those shell bars. And now, they're not just going to pop up and say shell bar on there. You got to know that it's like a hard patch of bottom on your graph. You're going to have to differentiate it too. But those fish will sit up on those shell bars, on those tops of those ledges, on the flats, right off the ledges, and then even on some of the hard sand drains that come down from like where the creek will come in on a flat or the river channel will come up and have a little swing that comes off it. There's fish will sit on that hard sand, too. A lot of people on Shimano don't realize that you don't have to have grass to catch them. You can catch them on that sand. They'll get there, and a lot of times when you catch them down there, their bellies will be, or, or they're on the shells, their bellies will be red. They've just been laying down there. They'll spit up muscles in your live well or something like that. It's pretty obvious once you get them up what the, what the deal is. But... Like I said, there's big crankbaits, Carolina rig, um, that's how you can catch those fish. Carolina rig on a shell bar has won a lot of money on this lake. Um, it's, it's as good as it's going to be. The neat thing about offshore is if you can find a school of fish, you can pull up on them. They're either going to eat or they're not. And I know that sounds contradicting and, well, duh, dummy. Yeah, they're either going to eat it or they're not. You don't have to sit there and bang on them. If they're not going to do it, they're not going to do it. Roll on to the next ones, come back and check those an hour later, and they might be ready. If you're catching threes on it, you're probably going to catch two-and-a-half to 4 and a halfs there. There's going to be a size class of fish to get on them. If you find a school of bigs, you probably found a school of bigs. Um, if they're all cookie-cutter pound-and-a-halfers, how can you catch two or three of them? I'm not saying you're not going to have a lone wolf in there, but for the most part, what you find right now is what's there and you can really pick apart some productive water in a hurry and put together a pattern. The only the only thing that's a little different with that is just because they're on a ledge on the edge of the river, if you're finding them at 16 foot, doesn't mean they're going to be all the way across the lake at 16 foot. Uh, they might be here at 8 foot, they might be there at 11 foot, they might be there at 25 foot. You just got to use your, your graphs and find them on those ledges and they said just poke into them. Um, right. Another good sleeper is is that hair jig. A lot of people on this lake don't throw it. Um, a hair jig or like swim bait on a lead head. We caught some good fish last week. He we caught a real good fish and had another giant on it and a couple fours. And just throw that thing as far as you can throw it over your spot. Rip it up once it gets on the bottom and then tight line it back down. 95% of the time, and I think you'd agree with this, they're either going to thump it when it's going down, or it's just never going to hit the bottom. And when you mm-hmm. come tight to it, fish are swimming off with it. Right? Um, they're going they're going to eat it when it's falling. Yeah, most they're going to the hit it or, or just as soon, as they do eat it on the on the rip, it's going to be the second you start to pull that rod up, they'll load up on it. Yeah, and
0: that's because they're sitting there looking at it, wondering why it's not moving anymore.
2: Right. Uh, like I said, they're That's a neat bite. That's a way to catch some absolute giants if you hit on them right. A big worm's never a bad bad idea, but. But it's the summer. Um, don't forget about those offshore yeah, fish. I know a lot spoon. of us are doing it. Yeah. Flutterspoon. Uh, yeah, that, that, that Nichols flutterspoon. Man, don't be telling them that. You know I got one. <laughs> I keep one of those tied on. Um, that Nichols flutterspoon is a bad dude on this lake. Um, but that's just one of the things I do is I like the offshore fish. The guy that showed me how to fish this lake, he fished the river ledges. I know Chris is a little different. Chris, why don't you give us – your aspect of it and what you're looking for you like the the offshore stuff too but you're also pretty comfortable up there shallow on those grass lines
3: yeah i
0: like to uh i can do a lot of it but i prefer to be shallow if i can um which i'm kind of clumsy it ain't a good thing because i can be sometimes too loud in the shallows but um what i'm seeing like we talked about the grass you got to find some and it's got to be good stuff and by that it doesn't have a lot of slime in it um and there's got to be a lot of activity so like which i'll say because this is the most popular spot in the lake this ain't giving anything away i was at the indian mound yesterday and on top of the mound on the sand there was probably 40 shiners just in this one area that i was looking at and there was needlefish there and then two foot off the uh off the last bit of grass it looked like looked like my graph was broken and there was so much shad there it was unbelievable and it wasn't bass pushing the shad up it was needlefish the bass were still hanging up in the in the grass and so you got to find the grass what i'm getting at it's got to be good stuff and there's got to be activity if you find all that going on work it and um, like ryan said you, you let it fall and snap we're throwing swim baits worms or whatever but you got to pick through that grass. Um, vary your retrieves up, too. If you're not getting bit like that, try st- a steady retrieve and see what happens. But the amount of shad, I, I think this is like what Randy was talking about last week. These are hatchlings, and it's just it's mind-blowing. I'm going to put a, a picture up on the report so you all can check it out on our website of one of the graphs. But uh, that's what I'm looking for and unfortunately it's got to have something that's topped out i don't know if that's something i'm just seeing or i'm just imagining that but you go to some scattered stuff they might be there but you can rely on stuff that's got topped out stuff in it spots that have topped it, <clears throat> excuse me spots that have topped out stuff and it's oh, just
2: gives them that shade
0: yeah and it's It's just weird you know some of my areas have none of this i'm I'm used to some good at least some good clusters that are topped out and um, so you just have to move and adapt and uh, find the stuff that you're used to it's just not to be honest with you it's not producing big fish i mean you see what happened at gambler um, which i know they're just off in some deeper water that i hadn't hadn't targeted i mean there's some good five or sixes but the tens um you know they've transitioned offshore i'm pretty sure so, you're going to have to do what you're talking about. I mean, you saw how what top 6, top 10 or whatever in Gambler, they was all fishing offshore ledges. So,
2: yeah, for the most part.
0: Yep. I mean, there's always going to be and I'm a firm believer in this. There's always going to be ledge fish there's always going to be shallow fish. But Absolutely. I think Especially you're going to Lake have Lake to Seminole. Yeah, but I think you're going to have to do a lot more work to find shallow big fish right now than you are finding deep ledge fish. So, it's up to to you but that's not saying they're not there because they are i mean i carried uh, two people yesterday we got on some big fish we were on some three and a half there's plenty of three and a half wolf pound wolf packs around um and then maybe a lone five or six that's mixed in but um if you find grass that's dropping off at 20 foot on a ledge then you found the trifecta of everything and that's an even harder unicorn to find right now is 20 foot point ledge with grass all the way down it
2: um, I would say the frog fishing has been Poor. a little lackluster this year. But
0: it's top water in general. Um,
2: I, I, I'm sure there are people that are like, oh, y'all, just, y'all are terrible. You can't catch them. And that is mm-hmm. true. Sometimes we are terrible. Yeah. But I haven't had a fish eat a frog yet this year. since. Well, I'll take that back. Since, like, they were spawning in March, I haven't caught a frog fish yet. Yeah, I, I haven't heard very many frog fish being caught. I know there's some, but that grass not being topped out where I'm used to fishing it
0: yeah it's uh, i don't know so the springtime and that's what randy said last week the springtime topwater bite and even in my, my experience it was phenom i mean you didn't have a problem catching yeah. them but ever since um may now there's there's days don't get me wrong now because like you said they're gonna say christmas <laughs> there are days where you can catch some on you know i had three bites on a spook the other day but and I was i was telling my customers yesterday this should be all we're throwing is a plug I mean, cause you you know, from, from May until August, all I throw is a plug and I catch them at one o'clock in the afternoon in 20 foot of water coming up and eating the thing. So, but they're not eating it. And I've seen a bunch of them, Ryan, I've had, I swear 15 fish in the last three days that have stalked my boat all the way to, or my bait all the way to the boat. And they'll just be right under it looking at it. And there's no amount of anything that I can do. I've changed all different kinds. I've put treble hook feathers on. I've done this, that. They will not touch it. Yeah. And it's just, I. who knows? I'm not a fish. I don't know. And there could be, you know, I've heard of, uh, when I hear of topwater bites, it's one or two guys. One guy caught one on a whopper plopper. One guy caught one fish on a frog. One guy caught this. We should be catching 15 on a plug. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's just a, it's unfortunately, and I, and like I said to my people, I'm hoping that it changes. But I'm, right now, unfortunately, reality is the topwater bite is not very good. And I
2: still throw it because I'm supposed to be catching them on it right now. I got hard hit the other night and Tuesday and the Thursday night and threw a buzz bait for probably two and a half hours of the three hours. Ooh. Yeah. And I never got bit on it. And I can always. Buzz may catch you some giants, but I can always pick away a Thursday night limit of keepers if nothing else on it. Mm -hmm. I I never even had a boil on it, I didn't hardly have a garfish follow it.
0: Yeah, the only thing that I can get them to uh, follow is a walking bait. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only bites that I had was on one that had a a feather treble. And when they ripped all the feathers off, that was it. Right, and I've you know I've pulled all my tricks. If I have one, which this is kind of saying, like, oh, I'm I'm good at at tying my shoelaces, but if I have one specialty that I'm very good at, it's top water fishing. You know, I just I'm very keen. I can see what the bait's doing. I know what I just know how to fish that very good. So whatever,
2: it's, it's and, your comfort bait. I mean, you know, started throwing it in February this year when I hadn't. I don't even know where my top water box was in February. Right. You're catching them on it.
0: I can catch them all year on it, and I know if they if they show me something if they look at the bait or they they act a certain way towards it i know okay let me change to this color let me put this on or let me put a different prop on or, you know whatever it may be but they will not react i mean it's got to be this one type of bait and you know they just randomly you'll catch some but it should just be breaking your arm off and it's just not happening i really hope in the next two weeks you know maybe next week maybe in a month we're going haha we were wrong top water bites on we had a rod broken half la 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 but The best bite that I've had was on um, sandbars, topped out grass, but they were only two or three pounders on a frog. And that was just, you know, three dinks. (laughs) So I am seeing a lot of fish uh, stalking crappy schools.
2: Yeah, that's a sleeper that a lot of people know about, but a lot of people don't capitalize on. Mm -hmm. Some of the biggest bass you will hear of caught in this lake or any lake, I don't care where you're at. By the crappy fishermen mm-hmm. There are giants that live in those Schools of crappie um, You can throw big swim baits around them and catch them You can rip like a 10XD Through there and catch them there, there's, You can throw a big topwater plug Because this there, crappie come up Early in the day especially and they'll eat bait on top
0: Yeah, DT6 it, works it, real well With them
2: It does because they're generally suspended uh, In those schools because crappie aren't really on the bottom Like bass are Sometimes right. the so They're suspended up
0: yeah i like to go to uh man i really don't want to get anyway it's a natural pinch point i'm not going to give away where it's at but um there'll be bass hanging out behind them under you know right under them and you'll throw that dt6 you know they come up feed up so i think it's maybe that spec coming up to feed up fires everything up possibly but he comes up and he hits that dt6 and you know he's two and a half pounds spec. put him back throw the next throw the next cast and you catch a six five yeah. And so I don't know if it fires everything up down there, but um, actually, you know, Randy showed me that with a DT6 uh, firing a big spec school up. That's a little speckle perch fisherman secret right there. Throw so a DT6 because um, it'll we'll catch the ones where like their eyes are as big as like a quarter. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I mean, just the ridiculous yeah. ones. But. Uh, and I
2: caught one of those last year of all things on that Bangalore that I like so much. Oh yeah. Like a hammer, like. Pound and three quarter spec on a top water plug.
0: Oh yeah, I, I had a customer catch a. It was one point nine on the scale, one point eight nine, something like that, on a spinner bait
2: on that Nicholas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Nicholas catches everything. Oh yeah, yeah, from
0: catfish to both anything that swims in that lake, needlefish have ate it. Bunch of stuff eats that
3: thing.
2: Yeah, but yeah, that's that's pretty much the summer rundown. The June it'll get a little different. July and August now that's a different ballpark you can still catch them on the, the stuff offshore but a lot of those big fish will move back shallow then yeah they'll become and resident we'll we'll get into that then but that's we just kind of wanted to give you a little rundown on what we're looking at this year with a little bit of different changes and subtleties in the lake that aren't normally there as far as our vegetation goes
0: we got a uh i got a text from mr don over at Addie's now uh, this, y'all know we talked about Addie's a bunch. This was Jack Wingate's uh, Lunker Lodge. It is now Ease and these, these fine folks have taken it over and really turned it around. It's a really nice place now. And he reached out last week and donated a $50
1: Lord
0: dinner for two. That's right. Um, so when we conclude the LSO giveaway for this month, we're going to do the um, dinner for two at Addie's Campground and Marina. So we just want to let everybody know that's something to look forward to. And thank you, Mr. Don. Appreciate you supporting the podcast.
2: We Um, appreciate you, Mr. Don.
0: But, uh, Ryan, as always, thank you. And, uh, we'll see what happens next week.
2: All right. Yeah, buddy. Sounds good. I'll talk to you soon. And, uh, I said, y'all don't forget, go get registered for that gift card. Uh, from Lake Seminole Outdoors.
0: And we'll let him lead us right in. This is the last day of the Lake Seminole Outdoors. Give it away. Just give it away.
3: Just give it away.
0: Y'all, if you have not entered for the $25 LSO gift card giveaway, this will be your final chance to hear the secret word, which is Seminole. So head over to SeminoleFishingReports.com and enter on the giveaway form at the bottom of the page. Uh, The giveaway will be done on Wednesday, June 15th, 2022. Uh, You have to like our Facebook page, Lake Seminole Ramblings and Lake Seminole Outdoors' Facebook page uh, to be qualified to enter this. So go ahead, hurry up. And then next month we will do, um, at ease, we'll do their giveaway. You've been listening to the Lake Seminole Ramblitz podcast. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. Y'all, we really appreciate you listening. You know, we're on every major podcast outlet that just about there is. So we'd really appreciate you just hopping over to your favorite one and hitting subscribe, maybe giving us five-star review. How about a positive comment? That'd be cool. Maybe hop over to YouTube, hit subscribe, or go to Instagram and hit follow, or Facebook and hit like, or y'all know this is all crazy with all this social media stuff, but we really appreciate you giving us some kind of like, or, or plus, or whatever it is nowadays. But uh, either way, if you'd like to go catch some big fish, we'd love to take you fishing. Uh, SeminoleGuideService.com, big fish are eating. It just takes a little bit of work, but we can get it done for you. And uh, guys, thanks for listening. Tune in next week.